Hi everyone! I'm Riv. And I'm Ruv. And, and welcome to a Riv and Ruv thing. Today is episode two, where we're going to be talking about, well, let's start with the story first. Recently, Ruv and I went for a seminar titled Work, Pray, Code by Carolyn Chen, talking about how big companies try to center their workplaces in their employees' social, political, and increasingly spiritual lives. And companies do this to expect humans to work like machines, right? It got us thinking, how do we differentiate humans and machines? And then we wonder, could it be based on thought? So today's episode, we will be exploring what is thought. As we begin this discussion to all our friendies, both new and old, who are listening in, we want all of you to give consideration to what we are about to discuss with an open mind. This applies to all podcasts in the future, but for this particular one, regardless of your beliefs, I put to you two ways in which you can view this episode. Either from the view that the Bible is a classic, a historical book which has stories of real people, or you can take the view that the Bible is a holy scripture, sacred and speaking of far greater things than merely the past. Well, now we're going to dive in with Riff into how does science and technology understand thought? From a scientific viewpoint, um, thought is understood as the intricate interplay of neurons and neural networks within the human brain. Research in neuroscience try to unravel the complexity of how sensory inputs, memories, emotions, and decision-making processes are encoded and processed within the brain. Machines, however, particularly AI, artificial intelligence systems, they attempt to replicate thought processes. Machine learning algorithms, for example, process data inputs and perform tasks, displaying a semblance of intelligence, although devoid of true understanding in some ways. Neuroscientific studies provide insights into the biological foundation of thought. It reveals a neural mechanism that underlies human cognition. On the other hand, machine perspectives leverage these insights to create algorithms and models that simulate aspects of human thought. For example, algorithms inspired by neural networks attempt to mimic the interconnectedness of neurons in the brain, enabling machines to recognize patterns and learn from data. So while machines don't possess conscious consciousness or subjective experiences akin to humans, they are similar in the way both scientific research and machine learning kind of delve into the complexity of information processing. Both realms aim to unravel the mysteries of thought, although from distinct angles, one rooted in biological intricacies of the brain and the other in the computational power of algorithms. Now, Alan Turing, the father of modern computer science, kind of challenges conventional notions of thought. In his famous thought experiment, The Imitation Game, also known as the Turing test, he conducts an experiment where it involves an interrogator who engages in a conversation with both a human and a machine, with the goal of determining which one is a human. This game kind of highlights the challenge of distinguishing between human and machine responses in a conversational context, where machines can simulate human-like behavior, but this simulation doesn't necessarily imply genuine understanding of consciousness. He argues that machines lack consciousness as a fundamental point, 
suggesting that true machine intelligence would require the ability to generate creative and emotional expressions. For example, he quotes, not until a machine can write a sonnet or compose a concerto because of thoughts and emotions felt and not by the chance fall of symbols could we agree that machine equals brain. That is, not only write it, but know that it had written it. No mechanism could feel and not merely artificially signal an easy contrivance. Pleasure at its successes, grief when it falls, fuse, be warmed by flattery, be made miserable by its mistakes, be charmed by sex, be angry or depressed when it cannot get what it wants. Turing asserts that genuine human thought encompasses more than mere intellectual capabilities. It includes self-awareness, emotions, and desires. He emphasizes that true machine intelligence must possess capacity to generate creative and emotional expressions, going beyond merely simulating human-like behavior. He questions the narrow interpretation of the mind, actively rejecting the notion of a believing intellect that's divorced from the emotional experience that shape human behavior. So while machines can imitate human responses, they actively lack genuine understanding and self-awareness that underpins human consciousness. So now that we've explored thought from a scientific and artificial intelligence angle, we kind of get an understanding that thought is very multifaceted in its nature. It's rich, it contains human thought, it contains emotions, feelings, and so much creative expression comes from thought. I would like to bring to the table a French man called René Descartes. He was a mathematician, a natural scientist, or what you would call a natural philosopher, and a metaphysician. He was a son of order, a calmly seeing eye whose mission it was to make what was chaotic into a thing ruled and regular. A great intellect, his insight was not a transitory glance. It was an illumination of the whole. His thought awakened the slumbering capabilities of others. The word of such a man, men must listen to. He's a famous French philosopher who brought up something called the Seven Meditations, Meditations on First Philosophy. Within this meditation, the conclusion that he drew from the first two and subsequently which he expounded with was that because all these thoughts and emotions we feel can exist within us, there has to be a source for these ideas. And this source must be perfect and non-deceptive and good. Otherwise, there's a lack of foundation and basis for all of our thoughts. God is essentially perfect and therefore would not deceive us. This is what he tells us in the third meditation as well. And therefore, he suggests that the source of all the thoughts that we have as humans, which are complex and interesting and messy, come from a perfect source, which is God. Otherwise, we could not believe that thought even exists to begin with. Let me give you another quote by C.S. Lewis. He states that, supposing there was no intelligence behind the universe, no creative mind, in that case, nobody designed my brain for the purpose of thinking. It is merely that when the atoms inside my skull happen for physical or chemical reasons to arrange themselves in a certain way, this gives me as a byproduct the sensation I call thought. But if so, how can I trust my own thinking to be true? It's like upsetting a milk jug and hoping that the way it splashes itself will give you a map of London. Unless I believe in God, I cannot believe in thought. 
So I can never use thought to disbelieve in God. Unless I believe in God, I cannot believe in thought. So based on what we've discussed so far, because it has been a lot, we understand that there's a very complex thing called thought and humans being able to even think in the first place is amazing. According to tech and science and society, they state that thought is essentially something more than just neurons connecting together. There's something beyond that. And Turing backs this up and suggests that it is very bizarre and confusing and magnificent and beautiful. And there's something very creative behind it. And it cannot exist on its own. It cannot just happen to be. So then it comes down to the point that there is a God who created us to be able to think in the first place. So what does the Bible say about thought? Because Riv and I believe in what many would call, in terms of theology, a Christian perspective of our God. Right? So let's dive into that. And let, let's see the source which René Descartes talked about, which is good and perfect. What does this God tell us about thought? We can begin with what exactly the Bible says about thought. The Bible paints a vivid picture where thought emerges as a divine gift woven into human essence. It portrays humans not as mere products of dust, but as beings with the breath of God. Where are we getting all this? Let's start from Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 2, 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Ecclesiastes 12, 7 states, And the dust returns to earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. So there's a lot of things going on, but essentially it states that life from the very creative and perfect God was breathed onto humankind to enable them to think and live. And as they die, the mortal bodies, it returns to dust, which is just merely a vessel. But the spirit, which has all these emotions and soul, goes back to God because it's from him. Psalm 139, 13 to 16 states, For you formed my inward parts. This is talking about God. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. The connection of human and God is illustrated even more so. And it showcases how important our thoughts are to God. Psalm 139 verse 4 says, Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. 1 Corinthians 2, 11 to 16 states, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him, which is us? And God also knows it as well. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Psalm 94 to 11 says, The Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are but a breath. Psalm 139 verse 17 says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! There's an ongoing conversation within the Bible where there's a communion and a relationship between the God who created humans and humans who think and acknowledge the existence of God himself and recognizing that they consistently need to go back to that source. 
there's a lack of trust which we inherently feel in our thoughts though. There's an inner turmoil with the issues that we faced on a daily basis. There's things which we cannot comprehend when we see society, when we experience suffering or pain, issues of morality, issues of mortality. And we search for the answers from that source. Even God acknowledges that. Genesis 6 to 5 says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. We know that our thoughts exist, but we also know that our thoughts veer towards things which we know are deep down inside are evil or sinful or wrong. A psalmist says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139, 23 to 24. The psalmist, also known as King David, asks this of God because he acknowledges that our thoughts are not always good, that our thoughts cause us to do things which may not be pleasant in today's society which have negative effects on other people, then and now. We know that this is true. So therefore, the Bible also tells us an answer. It gives us the transformative power of alignment with God in our thought life. Thoughts aren't fleeting notions, but potent influences of behavior, character, and identity. So let's see Romans 12, 2, which says, Do not be conformed to this world, to the patterns and behaviors, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This means that we should not be trying to do what everybody else is doing, which is inherently evil. We cannot trust that. But we need to be aligning ourselves with the perfect source and keep going back to him and renewing our mind and our thoughts daily. Isaiah 26 to 3 says that you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. How many times all of us face anxiety in this world? We say a bad word and it affects somebody else. But if we keep our mind on somebody perfect, it enables us to consistently check and balance and renew our thoughts daily, move on from the past. And it's really not easy. We have to do it. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, A few pointers in which we can dwell our thoughts on, which is a reflection of God himself. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. But how? God is such a vast, supreme deity in the Christian faith. And the conclusion that we've arrived to is we still need to keep going to him despite that. Perhaps we need something which our human minds can understand. Because on one hand, we can't trust them but we know that it exists. We can't trust our thoughts, but we know that they're there anyway. So perhaps we need a perfect model, God himself in the flesh, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Perhaps that is the answer. We look at God in his human form. 
who loved this world and his humans, which he created so much, that he came down to this earth. Yeah. And he presented to us the perfect sacrifice for all the suffering and the pain which we experience today. And he showed us love and hope, gave us hope eternal so that we might not perish but live with someone perfect, which has always been his intention all along. And we have a choice to go back to that source daily and renew our thinking we have someone, at least from Riv and I's perspective, who we can consistently go to, pray, ask, have conversations with, check our thinking. Does it make sense? Will this impact other people or harm other people? All right. So what did we cover in our episode today? We talked about what is thought from a scientific and machine perspective? What is thought from Turing and Descartes perspective? And Ruth concluded with what does God say about thought? The source and creator of thought. We hope that this was a good discussion for all you friendies out there. And we will post all the readings and journals and articles that we referred to, as well as some additional ones in our broadcast channels. You can refer to any of them if you're curious, or you just want to take a look if we really substantiated our thoughts, which we did, okay? <laughs> Till next time, Ribbon Roof out. out.